Hi, and welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. This is Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and I would love for you to leave me a review of this podcast and also to share and like it and share it with your friends, see what they think and let me know. I would love to shout you out on social media. And also, I would love for you to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Sadaf OBGYN, as well as TikTok. I also have started a YouTube channel at Dr. Sadaf Intimacy Coach. I'd love for you to follow me on all of those channels. And most importantly, I'd love for you to become a patient. I am now accepting telehealth patients for sexual health as well as menopause health in New York and Michigan. So if you are a woman that is looking for a doctor that understands you and can actually take the time to listen to all of your concerns, reach out to me. Reach out at drsadaf at drsadaf.com. And I would love to see you as a patient. And now for the episode. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and this episode is everything you need to know about female sexual dysfunction. Now, remember, as with every episode, I am not giving any type of medical advice. So if you're having any issues, please speak with your healthcare provider. And uh, this is definitely not any type of religious advice. So if you have any questions about your religion, please speak with your friendly neighborhood religious scholars. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman that talks about sex. Now, some important things that I need you guys to know about, okay, for those of you that have been super loyal podcast fans and just been listening to me the whole time, I need to let you know about a retreat that I am hosting along with Dr. Basma Ferris that will be September 16th through the 23rd, 2024 in Morocco. So if you have never gone to Morocco, which I've never gone to Morocco, um, you wanna be sure to check this out. We'll be talking about nutrition and sexual health and perimenopause and menopause and all of that good stuff. Um, This conference, or it's not really a conference, it's a retreat, but it is for women. But if you want to go there with your partner, that is okay. They just wouldn't be able to come to the sessions, but they could go on all the excursions. And we're going to go on a lot of excursions and we're going to visit the countryside and all that good stuff. It's going to be super fun. You're going to have a little basket that you go home with, and we're going to You know, you're going to be able to uh, figure out what a hammam is. You get a massage. You do yoga every morning. This is going to be an awesome retreat that you don't want to miss. So make sure you go to the link in my bio, and I'll be sure to put it in the show notes where you can register for it. Space is totally limited. So make sure that if you're thinking about this, even if a little bit, you know, you can do a payment plan, whatever works for you, and make sure you sign up for the retreat. So that's super important. Um, The other thing is, is that I will be opening up an office space. I know, super exciting. So make sure that you look for more information about that. And I will let you know as it becomes closer to fruition. And I'll tell you where that is. Um, And lastly, make sure that if you like this episode or you like any of my episodes, make sure you share them, post them, tag me. I'd love to, you know, shout you out on my social media and uh, let me know what topics you like, what you want to hear more about. I'd love to 
share your thoughts and also to provide you with the information that you're looking for. So make sure you let me know. And so now we are going to go on to the podcast episode, which is about female sexual dysfunction. So Female sexual dysfunction, when we talk about female sexual dysfunction, it's really like a general term that describes a range of symptoms and conditions that affect sexual function in women, okay? And these dysfunctions are actually characterized by the American Psychiatric Association and usually are things that persist for six months, causing personal distress and impacting a woman's mental health. So that is really the key. So the key is, is that it has to be distressing and it has to be impacting your life and lasting about six months or so. Okay. Now, some of these conditions women can experience from mild to temporary and sometimes persistent and severe. So it's really important that if you're experiencing any of these issues that you go and you get the help that you need. And this is, of course, important because it impacts your sexual health, your well-being, your quality of life. And really, it's, for a lot of women, it impacts their self-image, right? Sometimes if they're having issues, uh, and I'll go into what it means when we talk about female sexual dysfunction, but you know, sometimes women can feel that they are broken or less than or they're not enough or any of those things that kind of, you know, kind of starts to encroach in our mind. So it's really important that you go and you have these uh, conditions assessed or symptoms looked at so that you can have a resolution to the symptoms or the problems that you're experiencing. Okay, so some of the symptoms for female sexual dysfunction are low sexual desire, which is sometimes experienced as a lack of sexual interest and willingness to be sexual. Um, you can also have difficulty with sexual arousal, such as the inability to become aroused or maintain arousal during sexual activity. You can have persistent difficulties in achieving orgasm during sexual activity, or you can have pain that only occurs during sexual uh, stimulation or contact, right? So these are some of the symptoms and things to be looking out for if you think you may have some type of female sexual dysfunction. So let's get kind of into the meat of what exactly it is that I'm talking about. So there are several types of female sexual dysfunction. Among them is female sexual interest or arousal disorder. So before these used to be separate, but now they kind of clump them together. And before it was called hypoactive sexual desire disorder. And now it's called female sexual interest or arousal disorder. And it's really defined as this persistent lack of sexual desire interest in sexual activity. And remember, this can be acute or it can be temporary and or it can be chronic and lifelong. So that's really important to kind of assess and get help with if you're if you're suffering from this. Um, and so while low sexual desire by itself doesn't mean that there's a serious health problem, um, it can cause significant distress in the patient or you know in you if you're experiencing it and it typically refers to somebody that's you know in the past may have enjoyed higher levels of sexual desire but now is experiencing difficulty with becoming sexually aroused or maintaining that arousal during the sexual activity and this can definitely lead to decreased vaginal lubrication and blood flow to the genital area uh, which can make intercourse uncomfortable and sometimes even painful. So to have this diagnosis, so if you think you may be suffering from something something like this, um, you know, this uh, 
Diagnosis comes about when there is an absence or a decrease in sexual activity or initiation of sexual activity and responsiveness to a partner's initiation or excitement or pleasure during almost all of sexual activity. So for example, if you are experiencing more than three of any of these symptoms that I'm naming for more than six months, you may have this. Okay. So I'll go over it again. I'll just kind of go, and I'm starting to go through what those six, um, what, let's see here. It looks like there's six most common symptoms. And so if you have more than three, then you may have this. So I'll go ahead and list them. So one is interest in sexual activity, two is initiation of sexual activity and responsiveness to a partner's initiation. Um, three is excitement or pleasure during all or almost all sexual activity. Four is sexual erotic fantasies or thoughts, like you just have an absence or a decrease of them. There's also a decrease in gender or non-gender sensations during gen uh, sexual activity, or that there's a decrease in interest or arousal in response to internal or external sexual or erotic stimuli. So if you are experiencing any of those symptoms, right, and all you need is three or more for at least greater than or equal to six months, you may have what we call hypoactive sexual desire disorder or arousal disorder. So that's important to know. Okay, so now let's go on to the next one, which is female orgasmic disorder. Okay, and so this is women who struggle to achieve orgasm despite sufficient sexual desire and arousal. And so now this can cause feelings of frustration and sexual dissatisfaction and definitely can negatively impact your personal relationship. Um, sometimes you know, the diagnosis, we don't often um, diagnose a woman with the orgasmic disorder because a lot of times women feel shame and they don't come to their doctor for this. So if you are experiencing this, you know, make sure that you go and get evaluated. And um, the way that you know whether or not you have this is that you may be experiencing delayed or infrequent or absent orgasm or decreased intensity of orgasm after a normal sexual arousal phase on all or almost all of the sexual activity. Uh, you could be experiencing some distress or interpersonal problems due to orgasmic dysfunction. Um, and, and or it may be that there's no other disorder or substance substance that exclusively accounts for the orgasmic dysfunction. And usually, again, most of these disorders and dysfunctions are problems that exist for uh, six months or greater than six months. So of course, these symptoms need to be present for more than six months. Okay, so that's your female orgasmic disorder. So just keep these things in mind. And so the reason why I'm listing these off is because these are things that are common and we don't, of course, ever really talk about them. So if nobody ever talks about them, then how do you even know you're going through it? Or how do you even know you're experiencing it, right? So I'm here to validate what's going on for you and to let you know that there is a term, there is something that can be placed on your symptoms. Like for example, there is a diagnosis, right? So a lot of times when you go to your provider and if they're not aware or that they haven't had much education in sexual health, they may not know how to help you out. So it's important for you to know what your symptoms are and that there is a diagnosis and that 
maybe if your provider doesn't know, you could even educate them. So let's go on to the next one. So the next one is called genital pelvic pain penetration disorder. So this is something which, you know, I've talked about in the past, um, and it's vaginismus. And as you know, that vaginismus is basically when you have the muscles that surround the vagina, um, and they contract in anticipation of fear or anticipation of pain rather due to uh, penetration. So the person experiences a fear for the penetration that may happen. Okay. And so that's important. And so a lot of women experience this, probably a lot more than you think. And that can happen due to multiple reasons, but um, sometimes it happens if you know women have experienced trauma, or if they've grown up in like a sex-negative environment, or if they feel you know um, that sex is wrong, it's shameful, it's dirty, and so. One of the ways of treatment, and we'll get into treatments, but you know, one of the ways to treat something like this, which is this penetration disorder, is to it's really two pronged. So you have to have the coaching and or the sex therapy part of it, right? Because a lot of it has to do with the brain and your fear of penetration and what can happen. And the second prong to this therapy to this treatment is to make sure that you go see a public floor therapist because they're the ones who are going to help you with uh, being able to have some type of insertion or penetration into the vagina. And so, um, and it's really great to know a public floor therapist that can help you with this because then when you combine the two, it's like magic, right? Because then you're able to solve the issue of vaginismus. And there have been so many women that have been unable to consummate their weddings and or really even their marriages because of this fear of penetration. And we see this a lot as gynecologists. Um, and it's not just for women that have grown up in super conservative, conservative environments. It, it happens a lot where women are very, and it's normal to have some type of, you know, like uh, some women like will jerk initially on, you know, exam and stuff like that. And that's normal. But, you know, for to have like this really, um, you know, fear of penetration where you just cannot uh, bear at all any type of penetration is very common actually for a gynecologist, at least for me, when I see this, when I do like a speculum exam or if I do like a vaginal exam um, or pelvic exam, and I'll see this a lot in women or I'll see it in women that are in labor and that are super, super fearful of that pelvic exam. So really common, happens a lot. And if it's happening for you, it's okay. You know, I just, I want to make sure that you know that it's something that happens and can happen, but that there is treatment and there is hope. So if you're experiencing that, make sure you get the help that you need. And so let's go over a little bit of the type of symptoms that somebody can experience when they're having this. And of course, this can be acute or it can be lifelong. And there can other, you know, outside of vaginismus, there may be people that are having vulvodynia, which is pain in the vulva. Um, there can also be some type of pelvic floor disorders uh, that are causing pain with penetration. So it's important to really see where that pain is coming from and what is bothering you the most so that you can get the proper help that you need. And diagnosis is the presence of more than one of 
of the symptoms that I'm going to tell you about for, again, uh, more than six months. So for someone, it could be that they're experiencing deep pelvic pain and tension during penetration or superficial burning, uh, vulvovaginal pain caused even by the slightest touch. Uh, it can be, and we know that um, it, a lot of it is fear and anxiety. So fear or anxiety before, during, or after penetration, which often leads to decreased sexual desire and or avoidance of sexual activity. And that's where, you know, where I talk about uh, a lot of women that are not able to consummate their marriages because of this fear of penetration. Uh, we know that it's reflexive tightening of the vaginal muscles when vaginal entry is attempted and making penetration impossible or very difficult. Vulvovaginal or pelvic pain during intercourse or penetration attempts, again, same thing, right? We're talking about the fear or anxiety of penetration. Tensing or tightening of the pelvic floor muscles during attempted vaginal penetration against the same thing. So remember, if you're having any of these where you're having a lot of fear and anxiety, just even with the thought of penetration or, you know, when it's attempted and your muscles tighten up, then you may be experiencing vaginismus. And if you are, there is treatment, there is hope, and it's super important that you get the help that you need, okay? And it also requires that this is not explained by any other cause. So for example, like domestic violence or you know history of trauma or something like that, right? Those things can cause you to develop this, but it's not the the real cause right so it's those muscles that are tightening around the vagina and um and that's due to the fear that you have in your head about that it's going to be painful it's you know it's going to cause you a lot of pain and so um really important that you go and get the help that you need for that um, some other female sexual dysfunctions that we're going to talk about very briefly is something called persistent genital arousal disorder. And there is a colleague of mine that talks a lot about this on her platform. So super important that if you're having um, this issue, you know, definitely DM me on social media and I can refer you to the colleague that talks about this. And um, really important to get the help again that you need if you're experiencing this persistent genital arousal disorder, because it is a real thing. And it can happen in the absence of desire and does not even re resolve with orgasm. And there are women, I went to this conference, and there are women that experience this that have actually committed suicide because they have this persistent arousal and they just cannot get it resolved and really suffer from it. So really important that if you're having this issue that you go and speak and see a provider that's able to help you out. You can have substance-induced uh, sexual dysfunction. And we know that oftentimes a lot of medications that we prescribe as physicians can cause sexual dysfunction. So for example, we know that birth control pills can decrease libido, they can also cause vestibulodynia, which is something that I learned, which is just um, this pain in the vestibule of the vulva, and so can cause what we call vulvodynia, and, um, and can lead to pain with penetration, right? So important to know that sometimes, even though we're giving you meds to take care of one issue, that sometimes it can cause problems and can result in another issue. So make sure that whenever you go see your healthcare provider, and if you're able, lucky enough to see a sexual health provider, that you discuss the meds that you're on because sometimes those meds can cause the problems that you're having. 
Um, and then other sexual dysfunctions that are basically disorders that are difficult to define and under usual recognized categories. So lots of things uh, that can be characterized as female sexual dysfunction. And the important thing is, is to figure out what your symptoms are, what you're experiencing, how long it's been going on for, and then to go see your provider and let them know what you've been experiencing. So some of the causes of female sexual dysfunction, you know, can be treated with a combination of the following. So oftentimes what we do is we'll use what's called a biopsychosocial approach. And what that is, is that, you know, biological meaning like, you know, we'll take a look at the anatomy, see what's going on, and then also go over your health history and see what meds you're taking. So like I just mentioned before, meds can sometimes cause problems with sexual health. And so it's important to know what meds you're on to see uh, what may be changed up to get rid of the sexual dysfunction you may be experiencing. So that's a biological component. Again, it could also be hormonal changes, right? Like pregnancy, breastfeeding, menopause, all of those things can cause problems with um, your sexual health. So make sure that you know you get the proper treatment and diagnosis that you need to help resolve the issue that you're having. Again, medical conditions such as diabetes, which causes decreased sensation, we can, which can impact your ability to, let's say, achieve an orgasm, right? Or um, your sensations in your hand and your feet and things like that. We know that cardiovascular disease, some of the meds used for that can also impact your libido and your arousal, uh, pelvic floor disorders, cancers, medications, antidepressants, cold medications, surgery, any of those things can definitely affect your sexual function. Uh, physiologic factors. So when we're talking about the biopsychosocial model, where we use that model to help elicit what may be going on, um, you know, we will look into like what a patient is experiencing, like psychologically, like, are you having a lot of stress, anxiety, depression, any of those things can affect your sexual function. So important to, you know, really become granular with what it is that you're feeling, what it, problems that you are having so that um, you can get the help that you need. And remember the social aspect of it. So, you know, what's going on in your relationship? Are you having a lot of conflict? Is there communication? I mean, recently I saw somebody in the clinic that was saying that she had decreased desire, right? And so now when I start to ask her a little bit about her decreased desire, is this new, you know, is this something that just happened? Is this happening over time? Is this gradual? What is it? She tells me that, you know, she's having a lot of um, relationship issues. Well, of course, that's going to affect your desire, right? Like if you are constantly in combat with your partner, right? If you're not able to communicate with them, if you're not able to really have conversations with them, then it's unlikely that you're going to want to have sexual relationships, the right relations with them, because that doesn't make sense. If you're not able to communicate and really connect with your partner, or even be able to talk to them, then it's unlikely you're going to want to have sex with them. So, you know, those things are really important. So communication, issues, relationship issues will definitely affect um, your sexual function. Sociocultural influences, right? I can't stress that enough. I think that, you know, uh, there's so many things that we see in society, so many things that we kind of embed in our head about uh, what we think 
our relationship should look like, what uh, society tells us it should look like, what were the images that we get from the media, what we get on social media, what we get in the movies, what we get from all around us and the perceptions that we have, right? So that can definitely affect sexual function. And then as we age, you know, that also changes, right? So how we see our body, our own body image, what we like, what we don't like, you know, our partner's bodies, right? How do we feel about that? So, so many things that go on that can affect our libido, can affect our sexual function, really important to go through that and really think about it and discuss it with your provider, you know, if you have the luxury of time with them. And oftentimes you don't because as providers, we only have like 15 minutes, so super, super important for healthcare providers to get a comprehensive sexual history and for a diagnostic accuracy, right? So it's really important for your uh, physician to be able to get a good history. So whatever information you can provide to your provider is going to be really important, right? Whether it's about your meds, whether it's about like the psychological stresses that you're having, whether it's about your relationship issues, what, whether it's about, you know, the way that you grew up, any of those things are going to help your provider to help you come up with a diagnosis. And then what is the next best step for you in terms of, you know, your sexual dysfunction that may be causing you distress? And really, lastly, as we as I start to wrap this up a little bit, I just want to go over like the treatments that we have for female sexual dysfunction. So it's really important that there, first and foremost, I want you to know that if you're experiencing any type of female sexual dysfunction, that there's always hope. So I don't want you to give up hope. Okay, I think that's if you take away anything at all from this podcast is to not give up hope. There's always some type of treatment, whether it be medication, whether it be like cognitive behavioral therapy, whether it be mindfulness, there, there is always hope. So don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your relationship. There is hope. Okay, that being said, um, some of the treatments for female sexual dysfunction can be hormone replacement therapy, right? So if you are a woman that is going through perimenopause, menopause, make sure you speak to your provider or to a provider that can talk to you about hormone therapy. And remember that your provider is going to make sure that the hormone therapy you're on is good for you and that you're able to take it. You know, they're not going to prescribe you something that's going to harm you. Just remember that they will always, you know, get a full detailed history and they'll make sure that the combination of therapy that they put you on is helpful to you. So this is ideal for symptoms triggered by a hormonal imbalance or deficiency. So for example, if you're having vaginal dryness, right? So you want to make sure that you're on some type of vaginal estrogen. I can't stress this enough. Vaginal estrogen really is key to maintaining good vulvar health as we age um, for women. And because it prevents recurrent UTIs, it's going to uh, maintain your bladder health and it will help the labia. It's going to prevent that uh, vagina from uh, thinning out, those tissues thinning out so that uh, you will not have pain with intercourse. And remember, pain with intercourse is not normal. So you should always get that checked out if you're experiencing that you know, lubricants are great answers, but they're not the only answers. And sometimes as we age, they really 
not the only answer. And what you may need is, say, a vaginal moisturizer like DHEA, which converts to estrogen and testosterone and helps with lubrication it, and also helps with bladder health. Or it may be vaginal estrogen that you need, right? So not only may you need a, a lubricant, but it could be that you also need this vaginal estrogen. And really, I would say that everyone needs vaginal estrogen. There are very, very few contraindications to vaginal estrogen because vaginal estrogen is not systemic. It's not going all over your body. It's localized to the vagina. So it's going to be super important that as you age and you're going through menopause, that you're taking care of the vulva and that you are making sure that you use that vaginal estrogen. Okay. So that becomes a part of your life. Um, psychological and behavioral therapy, that's super important. So if you have, you know, a lot of times when women experience vag, um, female sexual dysfunction, right? A lot of times we'll have, not only will there, you know, can there be anatomic things going on, but there'll be a lot of mind drama that happens with it. There'll be, and not in a bad sense, but you know, we, we oftentimes we start to internalize it. We think there's something wrong with us. We think that we're broken. We think that, you know, we're not able to experience pleasure anymore, all this stuff. So for that, I would definitely say some type of professional counseling or therapy is going to be super, super important. Again, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, and I talk about this in a lot of my other episodes, but it's really where, you know, you're assessing your thoughts and seeing how that leads to your feelings and then how that leads to your actions. And so super important if you have a lot of that sex negativity you're going to want to use that cognitive behavioral therapy to help you to kind of, if not get to a point of sex positivity, at least come to a point of sex neutrality where you don't think it's bad. You don't think it's shameful. You don't think it's wrong. You don't feel guilty, all of that stuff. So that's going to be super important, right? Mindfulness, of course, is always important. Couples therapy, if you're experiencing a lot of conflict in your relationship and that's causing some female sexual dysfunction, it's going to be important to get that couples therapy that you may need. Maybe you need some lifestyle rebalancing or modifications, right? Maybe some help in the stress that you're feeling. Maybe you start to um, exercise more and take care of your health more, and that's going to help with your libido as well. Uh, there can be some medications, right? So if you are experiencing decreased libido, there are two FDA-approved medications for women um, that you can ask your provider about. There's also off-label testosterone that we use to help with libido as well. So any of those medications can help, of course, barring that there's something anatomical or something horrible going on in your relationship or that um, you know, psychological issues or that there's medications that are causing this female sexual dysfunction, right? That's why it's so important to go to a provider that can look at you holistically and find out what exactly is the cause of the dysfunction that you are experiencing, right? And not just go to a provider who is, can only see you for like five minutes and then give you a prescription. I mean, that's really not going to help you because, if it's not addressing the root cause, then it's not going to resolve your situation. Sometimes 
there is a physical trauma or injury uh, in the pelvic floor that may be causing this female sexual dysfunction and pain with penetration, things like that. And what's going to be helpful for you at that point is to work with a pelvic floor th therapist. And I can't say this enough. Pelvic floor therapists are really gold mines. I mean, they know all about the pelvic anatomy and they know how to help you. And so, you know, and help with tight muscles and also PM&R specialists who also focus on the pelvic floor. I think those are people that to definitely invest in and look into because if you are having a lot of issues with your pelvic floor, you know, those are going to be the people to help you. And lastly, you know, I want to leave you with knowing again that there's always hope. And that if you are having issues with female sexual dysfunction where, you know, problems with arousal, problems with the orgasm, problems with penetration, any of those things, that it is so, so important for you to go and seek help and know that there is help out there and to look for a provider that can spend time with you, that can go over all of your health issues and Make when you make your appointment with your provider for this specific issue, make sure that it's not with like another issue that you're having. Like if you're experiencing like bleeding or irregular bleeding, then make that a separate issue, separate appointment, right? So try to make this appointment just for that female sexual dysfunction so that your provider can put all of their energy and effort just into this one issue because it will take a long time to go through and parse through all that information that they may have on you to figure out really what is going to be the best possible solution for you. So if you are experiencing any of these symptoms or think that you may have a diagnosis that will lead you to believe that you have some type of female sexual dysfunction, make sure you go and you get the help that you need and know that there is help available. And well, that is it. I know that was a lot of information. So if you stuck around and listened to the whole thing, I am super proud of you. And I hope you enjoyed it. And please share this episode with anyone that you think may be experiencing female sexual dysfunction or some type of difficulties with their sexual health, because it could be the help and the information that they needed and they just didn't know they needed or that they thought there was something wrong with them and you just helped to validate their concerns and let them know that there is nothing wrong with them, but that they can get the help that they need. So I am done here and it's been real and really intimate. And remember, this is, of course, never meant to be any type of medical advice. So if you're having issues with your sexual health, please go and see a provider that can help you in your area because you deserve it and your body deserves it. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. So thank you for listening to the podcast and make sure you leave us a review, share and like the podcast. And if you leave me a review, I'd love to shout you out on social media. So be sure that you share it with all your friends and thanks for listening. This show was produced by Pretty Easy Podcasts and made possible by listeners like you. If you ever thought of doing your own podcast, please visit prettyeasypodcast.com.